Hello, Internet. Welcome into the 10 Things Podcast. My name is Craig. Alongside me, playing with his Legos, Aaron Brooks. That's that's one of the best toys ever. It is. It's a really good toy. I still play with them. Do you really? Yeah. I got them for Christmas a couple years ago. Like just normal Legos, or was it like a, one of those Death Star? No, it was just a box of just Legos. Just so I could go wild on my own creativity and imagine it, uh, imagination. Uh, what did you? What was the first thing you built with them? Uh, I built a truck and some building. Some some building, man. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember I built a truck and and that. That's hilarious. Um, well, in case you didn't happen to look at the episode title um, or haven't figured it out by now. Today we are talking about the 10 things about iconic toys. Um, you, I mean, you you just admitted to playing with toys in your late 20s, so I'm assuming you grew up playing with toys also. Yeah. Um, were you a, um, like, I was a, I was a late toy enthusiast. Like, I had a younger brother, so I kind of set the, the mark of when you know, how long I played with toys. Okay. Like for my brother, he stopped earlier than I did because I stopped, you know, and right. the person he had to play toys with didn't play, didn't play toys anymore. So were you, now you have older siblings. Right. So I kind of grew up as an only child after that point. Um, cause they'd moved out of the house. So I, I was thinking about this recently. I don't remember exactly what age it was when I quit playing with toys other than my Legos that I still, yeah. you know, enjoy getting out. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where at what point do you make that decision one day? It just seems like it happens Yeah, that we quit playing with that stuff. Well, you know, it's funny. I've seen before where people will post this really sentimental look sounding uh, meme or something on, on Facebook or Instagram. It says you, you never know the last day that you end up playing with toys. Yes. Or if you knew the last time you were outside hanging out with your friends, right. You know, that it was going to be the last time you, you take it more seriously. And just to, that is, it's just the thought of, you know, one day there was a day you just stopped playing with toys and it was the last time you ever did it. Right. Um, now I'm sure neither one of us have kids yet, but once that day comes, I can imagine get back in the swing. We'll be it. very excited to play right. with some, you know, Lincoln log. That won't be a thing. When I'll be able are. to get now here. I, I still have, I was going to say all, but probably most of my Hot Wheels still in cases. Do you really? I still have them saved. Uh, that was one thing I said. I'm not getting rid of them. I'm keeping yeah. those. I know my mom still has a lot of toys that I had when I was a kid. They're in, um, I don't know if your parents are this way, but even even though they don't live in the house that we grew up in anymore, they st- we still have a room in their house. That, that way, when me and my wife come over to stay, we stay in that room and uh, in the closet that's my room at their house. Um, there's a big box of toys that I had when I was a kid. That well, I mean, the whole purpose in keeping it was to get passed down. down to my kids. Exactly. Well, we are talking today about ten things about iconic toys. And if you're just joining us on our podcast, first off, thank you for listening. Um, we're glad you're doing that. Um, however, you found us, I'm not sure. Um, but be sure to. Um, we're going to start the show off by saying this. Be sure to go follow us on the socials. Hop over on Facebook or Instagram at 10 Things Podcast. Um, and then uh, 
you know, of course, give us the ratings and all that stuff. But also let us know how you found the podcast. If you just happened across it, if a friend told you about it, or if you were just amazed by our amazing social media presence. <laughs> uh, if we're going to do things kind of in reverse order today, can I start with uh, f- my honorable mentions? <laughs> you want to start with your honorable mentions? I, I do. What, what if I mention one of your honorable mentions? Uh, I feel like you're not going to mention any of these. I, I just you, you can't wait. I can't. You can't wait 45 minutes? Uh, no. Mm. Uh, I happened across this article, okay, from Wired.com about the five best toys of all time. And I was interested to see what they were going to say as we were researching this topic. And I got a real kick out of what they listed as the top five toys of all time. Now, you tell me if I get into uh, into your land. But number okay. one, they ranked it as a stick. <laughs> no, you're safe. Okay. You're safe. Uh, a stick, you know. Stick. Uh, well, no. is the next one a cardboard box? Ding, ding, ding. It's a oh, box. That's what I thought. <laughs> Uh, That's hilarious, actually. Number three, string. No, oh, I never played with string as a kid. You know, I don't think I did either. I, I can't say that I did that one. Uh, for a cardboard tube, I, I yeah. did enjoy a it's good cardboard It's a great lightsaber tube. or a uh, trumpet. Trumpet, exactly. Or telescope. Yeah. Uh, and number five, dirt. I played in many a dirt. So it, Yeah. Uh, the best dirt was all, to play in was always the baseball field during Little League games. Oh. You know. Just while the game is going on, just pop a squad in the middle of the dirt. Uh-huh. Ignore the ball yeah, that's rolling don't. past you. If you're if you're smart enough to sneak in um some Hot Wheels or something on the baseball diamond, <laughs> that's the that's the real OG move. So there are what I would say are five uh of the most unique yeah, for sure. toys yeah. of all time. <laughs> so those are my honorable mentions up front. <laughs> the the early honorables. Um, well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you're excited about the Christmas holiday. I realize that it's the holiday season because I find myself out of breath even just doing this podcast because I've eaten so many things over the last few weeks. I don't know if you uh, feel that same sentiment or not. Yeah. You're probably more responsible eater than I am. But um, I think it's time. We've we've had you know six and a half minutes of banter. I think it's time to get into this and talk about iconic toys. Um, Aaron, you want to go first? Or do you? would you like me to go first? I want you to go first. Okay. All right. Number one on my list, we've already mentioned it once, so let's get it out of the way early. Um, Legos. Okay? You can't talk about iconic. Now, listen, when we talk about iconic toys, we have not looked at each other's list. Um, but these are not necessarily our favorite toys, but the most iconic of all time. And for me, you cannot get more iconic of a toy, okay, than Legos. Um, Lego currently ranks as the world's biggest toy company, bringing in 2.3 billion in the first half of 2014 compared to Mattel's 2 billion. Um, it's also spawned action figures, TV shows, conference, and even movies. I love the Lego movie, by the way. Um, yes. The first one. The first one. Was amazing. Yes. Okay. Everything is awesome. Um, the Lego Batman movie was good. It it was not as good as the original. No, Lego. it was not. Um, it uh, Lego debuted in 1958 and has allowed kids to build permanent structures or structures that can be broken down and rebuilt. Um, you can also, uh, they also make Lego packages. Um, so box sets that you can build specific things that have become collector's items. 
That's why I asked you earlier about, you know, right. do you have a Death Star? Because you can build Star Wars-specific things. Yes, you can. You can build Pirates of the Caribbean was a thing for a little bit. Um, you know, the Avengers and Transformers, and they have created this whole little world um, that you can have Lego sets to play with as well. And so Lego, obviously, um, a big thing. You've mentioned that you have had Legos recently. Yeah. Um, I have. I don't own it, Legos right now as an adult, but I have played with them recently. It, you, you find a, th- a thing of Legos, you got to build something. You got to build something. Um, the sets are amazing. Um, I would say that the Lego, in my opinion, is the greatest toy of all time. Really? Yeah. It's your number one. It's my number one. Um, I have a blast with them. Uh, the ability, especially if you just if you get an it, just the the set, it really encourages creativity, and you can build whatever you can think of out of it. Um, so I absolutely love the Legos. In fact, I've looked online. You can. Legos are not cheap, by the way. No, they really have gone up in price as the years have gone on. So if you go to some place like eBay, you can find bulk sets where people have just, they're getting rid of Legos. Uh, I guess they get tired of stepping on them in their bare feet. And so maybe they have kids that have grown or something and they get rid of their Legos and they'll send them off. And there are certain places that just gather up Legos and they just sell big bulk boxes like a 15 pound or... 20 pound or 50 pound box of bulk Legos and you can get them at a pretty uh, reduced price. And so that's one of the more reasonable ways to purchase Legos now. And I have considered purchasing a 50 pound box <laughs> of Legos, but that's a big old box. My wife said no. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know the best thing you've ever built with Legos? Oh, no. Um, I mean, I remember me and my friends when I was, when I was young, were really into the star Wars sets and had a lot of fun building Star Wars stuff. But I don't remember what you know, might be my favorite. I, I would, my mom would know, but I don't know that I ever remember having a set like that. Like the Legos I remember having were just a box of Legos. Right. That's and what I always had. My friends had the sets. Yeah. I mean, you'd build houses, you'd build little cities. I always, you know, I'm one of those architecture nerd kind of guys. Like I get Sim the Sims or Sim City just right. simply for the structures. And so, um, you know, I loved building the, the houses and making the skyline look cool. But, uh, yeah, Legos still going strong to this day. And I don't think there's any slowing down. And in fact, I think the movies and stuff have really sp- taken Lego to even, yeah. it's hard to believe they could get bigger, but I think they have. You said they were introduced when? 58. 1958, 1958. I think. for a toy to still be as popular today as it was over 50 years ago yeah says a lot about and even just the base model lego yes can be as popular there is a documentary on maybe netflix about legos that i have watched that is that is very fascinating in fact legos is so popular they have their own Amusement park, right? Legoland. Yeah, Legoland. Yeah. So, in fact, the creator of Minecraft came out and said that his experience playing with Legos led to the development of Minecraft. 
Okay. Now, see, that's something I never could get into. I guess I like yeah, the actual no, hands-on yeah, stuff. Me too. But I could see how, how that led him to yeah. that. So, Legos, number one for me. Uh, since you took Legos away from me, <laughs> I'll take my ball and go home. Uh, I will go with Hot Wheels, Ooh, as that, I've already that, mentioned. Yeah, that was on mine. I still own those. Um, they came out from Mattel in 1968. And... Um, do you remember who the big competitor of Hot Wheels was? Um, was it Tonka Trucks? No. No? No. Matchbox. Matchbox. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was a solid Hot Wheels fan. Yeah. No, oh, me too. Uh, Matchbox just didn't cut it for me. And then if when you step down below Matchbox and you went to those even cheaper cars. Yeah. Uh, those things were terrible. There's just something about the feel, the build, everything about a Hot Wheels car. It's special. It is. You're right. And as a as a little boy, man, I loved those Hot Wheel cars. And they were cheap enough. If you went to the store, you know, you couldn't convince mom and dad to buy a set of Legos when you went right. to, you know, when you went to the store. But you could get them to buy you a Hot Wheels car. Yeah. One car was cheap. Yeah. Fifty cents. Uh-huh. And now the price have yeah, gone up. Gone I've up. noticed that recently. Yeah. Um, still not bad, but when I was a kid, I, you know, I was able to expand my Hot Wheels collection. In fact, I remember one of my favorite Christmas presents I ever got was a Hot Wheels carry case that was shaped like a car. And when you opened it up, it had this mat that folded out that had a racetrack and everything built into it. Yeah, so you could just play right on it. Um, and then in my room when I was a kid, for years, I had one of those big area rugs that mm. had like a city yeah. built. Yeah. And man, I was in I was in heaven playing with my Hot Wheels all over that city rug. Oh, yeah. Um, when you love to have the little tracks, you know, they oh, yes. the, the loops on and just I had a, jump them. I had one of those plastic city sets where you could build these different levels and, you know, man, it was fabulous and provided hours of entertainment. Um so they've been around since 1968, uh, another long, long-standing company. And in 1997, they actually bought out um, the owners of Matchbox. Really? Yeah. And uh, it's been interesting that in the last few years, automobile makers have gone on to build scale models of Hot Wheel cars that have been popular. So that, again, tells you how popular this one single toy right. is. Yeah, yeah. They, they've even gone, you know, they've gone beyond just cars, too. Yes. I mean, I remember one of my favorite toys as a kid was a Hot Wheels airplane. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, first off, that toy would never sell today because it had a lot of sharp <laughs> corners right. and edges. I mean, that thing could definitely just poke somebody in the eye and cause you to bleed. Um, ironically, I never did. So all these kids today, come on, get over it. I sound like such an old fart. Right. But, um, uh, that was one of my fa favorite toys. I was always into airplanes. And so the Hot Wheels airplane I had, I loved it as a kid. One thing I have noticed about newer Hot Wheels, they really aren't built the same way that they were when I was a kid. No. 25 years they're, ago. They're, they're much more plastic. Much more plastic. You pick up one of mine. I mean, yeah. you can weightlift with those things. <laughs> I mean, they, they were solid construction. That's right. Um, and, I mean, you could make crashes happen and ain't nothing breaking. You didn't have to go yeah. replace the car. Right. 
I don't, I mean, I haven't crashed any Hot Wheels in a while, so I don't know if they can withstand, you know, maybe it's a racket where they're just trying to get parents to go buy more Hot Wheels. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I would say that that is one of the most iconic toys of all time. I think you would be correct. Okay, number three on our list, I am going to go to the digital age for a minute. Ooh. And I am going to go to, this is probably, it's probably in my top three games as a kid or toys of all time as a child, the Game Boy. Ah. I love, now I'm not going to talk, and I don't think any of us will hear for this episode, we'll talk about specific game video games. But the Game Boy itself, I would consider it a toy because... It was an 8-bit handheld game console developed and manufactured by Nintendo. Uh, the first uh, handheld Game Boy uh, was released in Japan first in yes. a- April 21st of 1989. Then it came to North America three months later. And then finally it went to Europe uh, nearly a year after that. Um, designed by the same team that developed um, several Nintendo systems like the, uh, the NES and all that kind of stuff. It was basically... Meant to be a handheld version of the NES. Um, this was, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember exactly when Super Nintendo came out, but this I think bridged the gap between the NES and the Super Nintendo. Um, now, kids today won't understand this. Again, I sound like an old guy, but um, the first Nintendo was not backlit. It no. was black and white. It was black and, and white. if it was dark, you couldn't play it. No. And so this is not one of those things that late at night you could sit in your room and just a glowing screen. Um, you needed light around you to be able to actually play this thing. Um, and there was, man, a ton of, you know, just really fun. Now, it was also, it was, you had the D-pad, the directional pad, and two buttons. Yes. You know, that's really all you had. Um, later on, of course, this thing evolved over years and years. You had Mario come to it and all this kind of stuff. But at the time... Just really simple, black and white, 8-bit video games on this device. I remember when I got my first Game Boy, um, and a year or two later, I happened to find this little device that snapped onto it that had a, it had a magnifier. So when you looked through it, it enlarged your screen, and it had little lights on it. And I had the ability to play it. Really? Without other light. Yeah. And I mean, I felt like that was so advanced. It was so cool. I didn't, I, it was black and white, yeah. but I felt like this is so awesome. And then I remember when I finally got a Game Boy Color. Yeah. And it was just, I felt, uh, I felt like I was just on the cutting edge of technology. Yeah. Having this. Yeah. The Game Boy Color made it big. Um, you had things on the original, like Tetris. Yes. I love Tetris oh, yeah. on the Game Boy. That was probably my favorite game, just because it, it lent itself very well to the Game Boy. It did. Um, you had Super Mario. You know, Pokemon was really big on the Game Boy. Um, you had uh, Dr. Mario made its way over there. Um, you know, Meteor, Me- Metroid. I will have to look when I get home today. But I think I can put my hands on my original Game Boy. You know, I might be able to also. And now I kind of want to do it. Yeah. So, uh, Game Boy, I think it's something that almost every kid who grew up in the 90s had. The, I mean, there was just something satisfying about those little game cartridges. Yeah. I, I don't, 
they were they were so small. They had little cases that, yes. that came with them. Yeah, you had to slide it in the back. Um, if I remember right, it took double A batteries. Double, yeah, I think so. Um, but uh, yeah, Game Boy was just special. It was just it was a simpler time, you know. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, but just like the NES, it's Big Brother. If if the game didn't quite work right, what'd you have to do? You just sit there and blow <laughs> in the cartridge and pray that there was some dust in it, causing right. it not to work. And usually right. it worked. And you know, the Game Boy, the, the first two uh, Legos, it's something that can be enjoyed by boys and girls alike. Hot Wheels probably have typically been more of a, a boy toy. Yeah. That's um, a weird saying, but yeah. Yeah, it, it was, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> the Game Boy, though, something that girls and guys alike could play and enjoy. Oh, yeah. Although I feel like, and maybe it was just because I was a, you know, when I was a boy, I had more uh, friends who were guys than, than girls, but it felt like I didn't know very many girls that played with a Game Boy. Well, you know, and someday we could do an episode on these kinds of things, but... I know Business Wars is a podcast we've mentioned on this show before that uh, I really enjoy. Uh, they did a whole season talking about the war between Nintendo and PlayStation. And they in there, they talk about the marketing uh, aspect of it. And uh, for better or worse, more probably worse, it turned out that like dolls and stuff like that started becoming because there was a point in history where the, all these things were, were unisex it didn't matter they right just advertised to everybody and they realized that if we if we single out marketing and push you know dolls and action figures more toward girls and video games toward boys that the sales would increase and so that's why we we got to that point so Historically, yes, video games, Game Boys probably were more enjoyed by boys than girls for that reason, simply because of marketing. Um, but I think that shifted today, 2019. Yeah. We've kind of course corrected on that a little bit. Yeah. So Game Boy, number three for me. Aaron, hit us with number four. Well, we talked about handheld game devices being a simpler time, but I want to go back to another handheld device to an even more simple time. And talk about um, something called the magic screen. The magic screen. Okay. Well, maybe you know it by its more popular name, Etch-a-Sketch. Oh, yes. Yeah. I love Etch-a-Sketch. Okay. Etch uh, this was invented in the late 1950s by a man by the name of Andre. I can't even attempt to pronounce that last <laughs> name. Uh, he was an electrician. He named his, his toy the magic screen. And he took it to the International Toy Fair in Nuremberg, Germany. The Ohio Art Company saw it, had no interest in it, uh, but they saw it a second time and said, you know what, let's take a chance on this magic screen. And uh, soon they renamed the product Etch-A-Sketch, and it became the most popular drawing toy uh, on the market. They made some negotiations and just in time for the 1960 Christmas season in the United States, Etch-A-Sketch launched. And, uh, I mean, everybody knows what an Etch-A-Sketch is, right? Do they still make Etch-A-Sketches? They do, yeah. Okay. Do they still look the same? Are they still red yeah. with the two? The ones I've seen are. Okay. They, they usually sell them. It feels like, now, I don't know about the actual brand Etch-A-Sketch because, you know, it's everything's got knockoffs now, especially those old classic toys. 
the ones I've seen, I usually find them in like dollar stores and they're usually smaller, you know, in the toy section. There's these miniature. Okay. Because they were pretty big yeah, when we were. Like laptop screen size. Right. Big. When it was introduced in 1960, the price was $2.99 for an etch sketch Wow. Now, that would be the equivalent of more than $25 today. They sold 600,000 units in that very first year. It became so popular that in 1998, it was inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame. I can believe that. And in 2003, the Toy Industry Association named the Etch-A-Sketch to its Century of Toys list uh, on the 100 most memorable and most creative toys of the 20th century. They have sold more than 100 million units worldwide. You know, this is probably one of the most common toys that I remember seeing in film. Ah. It seems like, you know, if it's a Christmas movie, you know, Santa's Workshop, they're making one of these. Yes. Um, There's one in Toy Story, you know, that's how they can communicate, you know, with other toys quickly. So this is one of those toys that um, you see a lot in entertainment as well. I I just remember how f- I I don't know that I was ever really great at drawing anything on there. Yeah. But I always had a blast using the etch a sketch. Oh yeah. Um I don't know if etch a sketch is the one that made this. My favorite the one I loved when I was a kid is they make I don't, again, I don't know if it's etch a sketch brand, but it was a blue one and it had a pen. Same thing as etch a sketch. Kind of magnetic though. Yeah, it was wasn't a magnetic it? thing. Um, which is the same thing that Etch-A-Sketch uses. It uses these small, you control them with the dials, but it's a magnetic thing that pulls right magnetic dust particles up there. The one I had had a pen on it, and then you shook it to get rid of it. Yes, I remember that. Um, I don't Again, I don't know if that's Etch-A-Sketch brand or not, but it was very similar. I don't either. Um, there are world championships, and people yes. have done amazing things with the turn dial etch a sketches like that though. incredible i mean mona lisa yes knockoffs with an etch a sketch i was just going to mention that it, it is amazing what people can do with the uh with the etch a sketch and again i never got that good at it uh i typically ended up building what looked more like <laughs> squares and yeah. and block structures yeah, i never that, could get the 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 curves the curves no curves are nearly impo- i mean it, it, i think it takes more patience Probably. Than most children are able to do. That may have been what it was. Um, I haven't I haven't played with an Etch-A-Sketch in years. No, neither have I. Um, kind of want to now. I, feel, I know. As we talk about all of these things, <laughs> I'm like, man, i got to go home and see if i still got a toy box somewhere <laughs> to get these things out. Uh, but an Etch-A-Sketch, it felt like that was something that everybody had. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't one of those items that a Game Boy, not everybody had a Game Boy. Right. Um but this was something simple that I feel like I just remember all of my friends had an Etch-A-Sketch and we would, we would sit there and just for hours be mesmerized by those. Uh, and again, simpler times. And sometimes I think, man, it would be, it would be neat to, to get away from our devices yeah, and just kind of go back to that because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it really was. I'd get on board with that. Okay. Number five. Uh, on our list today. Um, I'm going to throw this back to a massive craze of the 90s. Okay. 
um, and talk about Beanie Babies. Oh, boy. Um, Beanie Babies were launched in 1993 by Ty, T-Y, Inc. Um, they rose to a frenzy of popularity in the late 90s. Both children and collectors scrambled, I'm talking, would fight each other over Beanie Babies for the collectible toys. This is the thing. They branded themselves as collectibles, and so that immediately caused people to panic and freak out. Yes. Um, most of these sold for under $10. Um, some special editions earned big butt, big butts, big bucks. Uh, today, uh, the company Ty has expanded its product line significantly, um, and there are still some rare ones now that will go that will sell for thousands of dollars online. Um, I remember one very specific, and you may remember this too, uh, McDonald's did Beanie Babies for a bit. Yes. The the craze was like at its peak. Oh, yeah. And the whole allure was that McDonald's doesn't necessarily, they have a limited supply of some of these and, they all came with Happy Meals. Right. And I remember specifically one day out on the baseball fields of, of uh, it was my brother's, I think, peewee baseball games, Little League baseball games. And I remember there were people, um, this is so crazy. I remember this like it was yesterday. We would pull up on the baseball parking lot and there were these grown adults who had gone to McDonald's beforehand, bought like 20 Happy Meals and were giving the food away. They just wanted. They just wanted the Beanie Babies. Wow! So peak of Beanie Baby craze, man. It, people were crazy about these things. They were. Has the popularity of those sunk in recent years? I think so. I mean, I know I don't hear about them ever anymore. And you know, usually I see them at like a toy store or at a gas station, right? Something like that. And I, I don't even give it a second thought. But I think the ones that were the most popular back then or the most rare back then, I mean, they're still selling. I mean, there's still people that are collecting them and, and buying them for thousands of dollars. Wow. Uh, I was never really into those. I never was either. Uh, but I, I know a lot of people were. I mean, I remember having some. Yeah. Um, they were just, I mean, and if you're not familiar with what a beanie baby is, they were just simply these, these plush dolls filled with bean bags. And so, or the not bean, they weren't filled with bean bags. They were filled with the little beans that you think of when you think of a bean bag or a cornhole bean bag or something like that. It had that texture when you held it. And give Ty credit um, because they, like Lego, they used what was popular at the time. They used the market to sell these things. I mean, I remember seeing, you know, Looney Tunes uh, beanie babies, um, you know, little Bugs Bunny or Tweety Bird uh, Beanie Babies. And, you know, there was random, um, just random designs and animals as well. But they also used pop figure. I know they did a Princess Diana one right before she died or right after she died. Um, They used pop culture references. And so they used the culture to their advantage. And honestly, for me, it's it's one of the first ones I remember using it that way. Right. Um, I mean, I know Lego and stuff did some Star Wars stuff, but they really leaned into just everyday pop culture. Um, honestly, it reminds me a lot about the pop figures that we know today. Yes. That's kind of what it's like. That's the plastic version of a right. Beanie Baby. So, um, yeah, Beanie Babies is number 
five for me. Um, I think it's a great time to take a break. Take a break. We'll go play with some toys. Yeah. You guys expected this break. We always do it after number five. One of these days, we're going to do it like <laughs> number four. Or Throw everybody just, off. Just like, make what? everybody freak out. Okay. Um, it's called a message break without a message break. So hang tight. We'll be back in just a minute. Okay, we have made it back. I have sold all my Beanie Babies on eBay for 12 cents and a button. But that button, wow. it says you just sold a Beanie Baby. So yeah, maybe well, that's rare. Yeah, I think you got a good deal. <laughs> Aaron, why don't you give us numero six? This was one of my favorite things when I was younger. I remember being at school. Um, this would have been around the late 90s right before the turn of the millennium. Oh, that sounds old. Yeah, we're old. Before the turn of the century. Back in my day. Yeah, that makes you sound even older. Okay. <laughs> Just before 2000. That sounds better. In the late 90s. Uh, these were the really popular in our school. I, I don't know if you've thought about this. We're, we're approaching the end of the decade. Yes. And I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we're, we're talking about 2020 now. Is it weird? Before we hit the year 2000, I always thought we're going to reference everything as 20 blank. But we didn't until like 2010. Right. Because it sounds weird, 2002. Right. That sounds weird. It does. And so it was like, it wasn't until 2010 we felt okay saying 20s. Yes. So just a random tidbit. That's that's what we do on this podcast is give you random information. That, that was good. And that's just, I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but that was that was how I felt. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. The more, uh, the more you know, sprinkle, 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 sprinkle. Uh, anyway, this was a very popular thing at our school. We had contests every day. We were looking for the best brands. Uh, the 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 humble yo-yo. Oh yes. Okay. This the, was huge when I was in school too. The yo-yo. I mean, there were all sorts of moves. I don't know what you call it. I remember walking the dog and all these different things that you yeah. would that you would learn to do with your yo-yo. Oh man, yes. Um you were not cool if you didn't have a Duncan. The Duncan the was Duncan where it was that? Man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you had something cheap, it wasn't a Duncan. Did you get you one of those Dollar Tree yo-yos? Exactly. Dollar okay. Tree was around then. I I was going to say something about Duncan. I was like, "Well, nobody else probably really knew about oh, Duncan." Oh, no, yeah, Duncan was Okay. It. Yeah. So Duncan um the Duncan yo-yo was my personal favorite. Um, the yo-yo, it goes back to about 500 BC. Oh my gosh, this may be the oldest toy on our list. Here you can see this picture. Yeah, go Wikipedia this. And uh, this is a boy playing with a terracotta yo-yo. Wow. That is, uh, that is on a vase. And you can find that on Wikipedia. Uh, so it's got to be true. That's right. Um, that's right. No, this this looks legit. Um, but we know. I don't, I don't figure a lot of people are going on Wikipedia to edit false facts about <laughs> yo-yos. <laughs> Coaching searches that happen. <laughs> yo-yos. It probably gets left alone uh, on the history of that. Uh, but so it goes a, a long way back in history. But it wasn't really until the 1920s 
that they really gained popularity here. Um, a Filipino immigrant to the United States, Pedro Flores, he opened up the Yo-Yo Manufacturing Company in Santa Barbara, California. They started with a dozen different toys. He was operating within a year, uh, more factories. They were producing 300,000 units every single day. Yo-Yos just took off. And uh, in 1946, the Duncan Toy Company opened their first yo-yo factory. 46? 1946 in Luck, Wisconsin. Uh, the Duncan Yo-Yo was inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame in 1999. Wow. Uh, so they've, they've kind of, I don't know if yo-yos are still popular today. I, I feel like they've probably dropped off a little bit. Yeah, I would think so. Apparently, this, there's kind of been waves of popularity with the yo-yo. In the 20s, they gained popularity, and it kind of died down. Uh, in the 60s, it resurged. Uh, we've had a lot of things come out. I would almost kind of put this in the vein of the yo-yo, but we, there was a national craze a year or so ago with the fidget spinner. Yeah. I think it's kind of like the yo-yo. Yeah, very similar. That's popularity, just not quite as cool as a yo-yo. Yeah. We need to get yo-yos back into the hands of kids everywhere, uh, learning to do all these different tricks and things. And uh, I don't I don't know if Duncan's still making yo-yos, selling yo-yos. Oh, I'm sure they are. Uh, I haven't looked for yo-yos in a long time. Usually I see yo-yos given away as like promotional products for business events. Right. You know, I remember getting one oh, about a year ago. And first time I had messed with a yo-yo in years and tried to do all the old tricks that I used to do when I was a kid. And I don't want to brag, but I was pretty terrible at it. <laughs> I, was, I, could, I could barely get to go just as normal. So I was looking it up. These yo-yo techniques, these yo-yo throws or moves that you could do. Uh, the sleeper is the one um, yeah. known sort of like walking the dog or... Uh, I, I forgot about around the world, rock the baby, uh, looping, two-handed string tricks. These were all things that I knew how to do that I probably oh, yeah. could not execute again right now if my life depended on it. Oh, that's 100% correct. But at seven, eight years old, man, we were some skilled yo-yo masters. It was a massive craze, I remember, in middle school, uh, even. Uh, it had come back. Um, I remember being in middle school and that was like, you know how like they talk about in prison, you know, currency used to be cigarettes. Right. Nowadays it's ramen noodles. Yes. In middle school, back in the nineties when Craig was there, um, it was yo-yos. Like I'll trade you this yo-yo for that yo-yo, you know, it was, and, uh, you were really cool. Like I said, if you had the Duncan. Do, do you remember what your favorite yo-yo was? Was there a color or... I had, man, I do. I had a green. Was it the lime green one? It was the lime green one, and it had, uh, it lit up. Okay. It's like when you got it going, it's like it powered itself, yes. and it got it lit up, and it was, it was I remember that the one. bomb. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. I remember trading yo-yos, all that stuff. Uh, that, man, that brings back some great memories. It does. So, yo-yos. Uh, yo-yos. Okay, number seven for me is... Um, I'm going to uh, also take it back a little bit. It seems like a lot of these toys that we reference, they really either started before 
the modern era or um they got or it after yeah <laughs> that was our two choices right <laughs> no but either it started then or it just hit the peak of popularity at that point so i'm going to go back to the 1950s again and talk about um something that was invented then called play-doh oh boy uh, the early 1950s, Joe McVicker sent some solid wallpaper cleaner to a classroom after learning that children found artsy clay too difficult to manipulate. The kids loved it. He offered to send some to every school in Cincinnati. By 1956, Play-Doh had its name, and stores like Macy's and Marshall Fields began carrying it. The colorful versions we know today soon followed with familiar eight-color palette by 1980. Today, we have smushed more than 700 million pounds of the stuff, including glitter and glow-in-the-dark versions of Play-Doh. I can smell it right now. Right? I We used to have a rule, my mom did, and my mom listens to this podcast, so she'll get a kick out of this, um, that we could not have Play-Doh be, at, at certain points in my childhood because we had carpet. Uh-huh. And you could not play with that stuff on the carpet right? because you never got it back out. Never got it out. Uh, that stuff would harden, and it would just be stuck forever to your carpeting. Um, but I love this stuff, and you know, every once in a while, back when my when my Lauren, when my wife Lauren was working in childcare, she would you know she'd have it available for her kids, or she'd do something with it. And I used to love those days because I would <laughs> I'd get my hands on some Play-Doh for the first time in years, <laughs> and I just Play-Doh for me was almost like a and maybe it was for everybody. It was a, it was a gooey clay version of Legos. Right. You could build whatever you wanted to. Yes. You could create and then just smush it back and do something different with it. And then things started getting fancy where they had all these different little tools and things that you could yeah. use. Yeah. To help create things and shape things. And I remember in my junior high years, um, middle school, junior high, you know, they started teaching you how to make it. You know, it was part of chemistry class. Right. This is how the ingredients you go and you can make your own Play-Doh. Um, and so Play-Doh is one of those things that has been around. It seems like, I mean, it's been around our whole lives, but um, still really popular today with kids. Kids love Play-Doh. It's a tactile thing. They learn, you know, you can learn shapes with it. You can just have fun with it. Um and like you said, it just it's so iconic in the fact that you think about it, you know what that smell is. You oh, know yeah. what it feels like. And uh, it just instantly brings back memories. Well, there's uh, it's so popular that the YouTube show, Good Mythical Morning, mm-hmm. they'll create food yeah. out of Play-Doh. Yeah, it's a great episode. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and of course... If, you, if you've never played with Play-Doh, then I don't know what you, you've missed out on, so you need to go get some. But if, you, if you're if you used to playing with Play-Doh, you can smell it right now. Yeah. I mean, I can just smell it in my head. And if we're all being honest, we've all tasted it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's not bad. It's salty. No. It's just salty. <laughs> I mean... Well, the, the more... The more sweat and stuff off your hands you <laughs> get okay. into it. We don't have to talk about the, it The more way. sodium. We could have just left it at salty. We didn't have to... <laughs> You didn't have to go dive, a deep dive into what makes it salty. But. It's not in my list. I mean, it could be an honorable mention. It's very similar to the Play-Doh, though. I would put Silly Putty right there with it. Yeah. That's another one of those great, iconic yeah. toys. Yeah. Man, I love Silly Putty as Comes well. Comes in that egg. In the Yeah, in the egg. Yeah. 
And uh, I remember the other thing we'd do is silly putty. We'd we'd take it, you stick it on a newspaper. Did you ever do that? Where it would yeah. transfer off. Yeah, the, transfer over. Yeah. So, I th- will Plato do the same thing? Uh, I I think so. It should, right? I think yeah. But then to, you're gonna get it all inked up. I used to with both of those things. I used to try really hard to try to get the perfect uh, sphere. Yes. Like no flat edges, no creases, no no just cracks, a, just totally a round, perfect smooth. Sphere. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Aaron, hit us with number eight. Number eight. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the Super Soaker water gun. Yes, man, I had this on my list too. Uh, water guns have always been fun, and they were handed out um, years before the Super Soaker itself actually came out um, in 1989. So the Super Soaker brand has not been around you know, just a terribly long time, about 30 years. Right. But water guns long before that were popular to hand out, you know, to kids at at birthday parties and things, you know, you have a water gun fight, but super soaker changed everything. And I can remember as a kid watching cartoons, when that super soaker commercial would come on, there's nothing like a super soaker water gun. You were so excited. Yes. Now, super soakers are not cheap, people. No. Uh, I have been tempted to get them for nieces and nephews and friends that have kids. And uh, sorry, family and friends, but I just can't spend that much money if I'm not going to get to use that thing. Yeah. But um, they were invented in 1989 by a guy by the name of uh, Lonnie Johnson. His prototype, he took PVC pipe, acrylic glass, and an empty plastic a soda bottle and put together. And uh, that was how the super soaker began. Now it's produced by Hasbro under the Nerf brand. They've generated more than a billion dollars in sales. And I mean, it, it changes the water gun, the water gun game. We do this with students at our church each year where we just have a big water gun fight. Oh yeah. Bring your super soaker. Yeah, you got to now they have all, I mean, they got the ones where you got the tanks that strap yeah, on your exactly back. Right. I mean, you can really get into that yeah, stuff with the sure super can. soakers. Uh, do you have any memories with super soakers? Oh man. So many. I mean, like you said, just water gun fights with friends, loading them up, having uh, we'd have five gallon buckets spread out across the yard or the field or something that you could just go into and just dump your, your gun in there and fill it up and then pull it back out. Water hoses, and then, of course, you're always adding water balloons to it, you know? Oh, and, yeah. You know, just as grenades and, um, you know. And the good news is, I mean, yes, the Super Soaker brand, really expensive. But thankfully, there's been plenty of knockoffs come around since then. And that are so, quality. Yeah, they're they're good. I mean, because it's not hard. I mean, right. there's nothing necessarily proprietary about it. And so it's easy to have a cheaper version available um, that do pretty pretty well. But, I mean, again, like we talked about with the yo-yos, there is a status symbol thing when it comes to having a super soaker. <laughs> exactly. You know? um, the big tanks, the, you know, there's so many different things that could do. I mean, I've had them where they, um, I've seen them rather, where you, you aim in one direction, it splits the stream. Oh, you wow. Know? And, you know, where it just spins it or it does crazy stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, it's a, it's a summertime favorite for, for a lot of people. It is uh, something that uh, 
I mean, I'm just I'm reading through all the different models that they have. They've just got model after model after model of these things. Um, in 2011, they were awarded the Outdoor Toy of the Year. And just recently, 2015, just a few years ago, the Super Soaker itself was finally inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame. Oh, so smart. That's good. It 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 definitely deserves a place. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, in that revered yeah. hall, hundred percent. That's great. Okay, number nine. Okay, the last one for me is um, reserved for one of the greats, and I'm talking about the Rubik's Cube. Oh, oh. The Rubik's Cube. You thought I was going somewhere different, didn't you? I did. The Rubik's Cube, invented in 1974, more than 350 million have sold worldwide um, since it hit the scene. Architecture professor Erno Rubik designed the puzzle, and it ranks one of the best-selling puzzle games of all time. Today, enthusiasts gather at annual tournaments, which reward the fastest solvers, Um there's a quote by uh, Richard Gottlieb, the CEO of Global Toy Expert, says, People love play that involves mastery, and the harder you work at it, the better you get at it. Um, the Rubik's Cube, it's one of those things that um, I, you know, we did an 80s night with our students not too long ago. And, of course, you know, Rubik's Cubes are involved in that. They were massive. They hit the peak of their popularity in the 80s. Yes. Um, it may have been invented in the 70s, but it was a cultural phenomenon come the 80s. And so we did our our event like that, and it made me want to go buy one. And I actually have one right there beside you, um, a Rubik's Cube. Yes, me, you do. I went and bought one. They're like three bucks. And so I went, got one, and um, me and my wife sat there for probably three weeks obsessed with this thing, trying to solve it. Have you ever solved one? Um, I have solved one before. Um, I We have not gotten to this one yet it drove us crazy we just had to put it away for a little bit there's a ton of different you know methods and tournaments and stuff like that um they always say solve the white side first and then work it around so we've tried that um it's it's one of those things it feels like the the more you try to solve the the more messed up you make it (laughs) right but there are people that can solve these things in seconds um they just don't even blink and it's solved there are world records for solving it the fastest Solving it blindfolded, solving it with your feet. Wait, blindfolded? Yes. Solving it. Okay, um, let me just say, if, if you're solving <laughs> this thing blindfolded, you're wasting your talent somewhere because uh, you, sir or ma'am, are a genius. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous how people are able to do this. Solving it with one hand, solving it with just your tongue. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the ridiculous ways that people have solved these things. A cultural icon, um, one of those things that you, you immediately know what it is. I mean, there's no doubt when you see a Rubik's Cube. Did um, you say when they were invented? 1974. Okay. Uh, they were invented in 1974. So, uh, and again, it was created by an architecture professor. He did not intend on making a toy. He went out to make something that was just, you know, it was an architectural thing, turned into just a puzzle. And then eventually became one of the biggest toys of all time. You guys can't see this right now, but Aaron has lost all where he is right now. He's simply just playing with this Rubik's Cube. Um, I bet if I just talk, say his name, he won't even hear me. 
Are we still recording? Yeah, we're still oh, recording. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rubik's Cube, number nine for me. Man, I got to I gotta get one of these again. I forgot all about yeah, these. Yeah, you can get them anywhere. I guess I haven't seen them. Yeah, go to the toy section. Walmart, that's where I got mine. Oh, well, that explains it. Yeah. I don't go over there a whole lot. <laughs> okay. Are we down to number 10? We are. We've left several off of our list. We're, <laughs> this is going to be probably another 10 someday, someday down the road. There, when you start to look at these these lists and start looking at all these different toys, you're like, oh, I forgot about that one. I forgot about that. Oh, that's a great toy. Yeah. In hindsight, maybe we should have started the 20 Things podcast. It, exactly. Of 10. Yeah. Uh, okay. Iconic. I don't think we can talk about iconic toys without mentioning the Barbie doll. Yeah, I'm glad you went there. I did not play with Barbie dolls. I did not either. But again, this is not my personal favorites or your personal favorites. These are just what we believe to be the most iconic toys of all time. And it would be uh, a complete disaster, shame, uh, pity if we did not mention the Barbie doll. You know we had some people on the edge of their seat that they wouldn't get mentioned. Exactly. And you know there's people right now going, wait, they didn't mention this. They didn't They didn't talk about that That toy. I grew up with... Just calm down, people. It's not, it's not that big a deal. 1959, uh, Barbie debuted. This billion-dollar brand from Mattel sells a Barbie doll every three seconds. Wow. Every three seconds. Every three seconds. Um, again, 1959, it's the world's most popular doll. She's held more than 150 different careers. I think every, every girl that I've known, uh, I mean, my mom grew up with Barbie dolls. My sisters grew up with Barbie dolls. My wife grew up with Barbie dolls. Um, they got passed down and passed down, you know, um, it is impossible to go to a toy store and not just see an entire row full of different Barbie doll figurines. Well, yeah, it's become a cultural icon. Yes. Some of them, I guess kind of like uh, other toys that we've discussed today, have sold for massive amounts of money. Oh, yeah. Collector items. Tons. Uh, they've created Barbie doll cars because you know she her convertible car became an iconic car yeah where it's created in real life now that people have purchased and driven um well you you see a woman who has just blonde hair and a a certain figure people automatically you know just label her a barbie right you know you have that barbie look the uh the house yeah they've created houses life-size houses that look like Barbie houses. Um, and I think we've talked maybe in the past, either a podcast or a documentary that we have seen that talks about the history of Barbie, how it was created. Um, in fact, was if I'm remembering right, Barbie was one of those toys that almost didn't I think come right. about. Yeah, I think um, you're right. I can't remember all the details on it off the top of my head, but... I think if I remember right, it was made by a woman who who wanted to get this product out there and people thought that most of the dolls at that time were baby dolls yes because they thought little girls wanted to be mommies and it didn't make sense to have one a, a doll that was older 
And so she insisted, and it turned out to be the probably the biggest toy of its time, if not of all time. It, if you had to compare anything, if you say this is the biggest selling girl's toy of all time, um, it would its companion for boys would be. I, I is the GI Joe even? I don't think it's even that popular. I mean, it it was massively popular during the Cold War era, but I don't think it ever reached the peak that Barbie did. It was Hasbro's attempt to dethrone Barbie um, from Mattel. If I think Mattel is the one who who made Barbie. Yes. Um, but and it it was very successful, but I don't think it ever overcame. The Barbie, status Barbie had. Right. Barbie has had incredible staying power. Yeah. Again, it's one of those toys from 1959 to today. It's it's as popular today as it was 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. It's still there. Um, so when if you if someone argued for Barbie as the most popular toy of all time, I'm I think it's a fair argument. I, I mean, yeah, I would agree. And I mean there's been very few knocks against her or it, <laughs> but, and you know, some of the arguments against, and, and I think Mattel has done a good job of trying to meet some of these demands. Um, but there has been some backlash, you know, that, you know, Barbie was not as inclusive as it could be. Um, different you know, races, different, um, you know, body shapes and things like that. Um, they've made some, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, concessions yeah. when it comes to that. They've they've added different races and uh, they've created all sort. They've they've tried to make that doll available to kids from all backgrounds, walks of life. Yeah. Um. And that's that's good for those kids, and it's not bad for Barbie's pocketbook no, either. It's not. You know, Mattel. Yeah. Mattel knows what they're doing as yeah. well. You know, so it's working out for both parties. Um. I was going to say that Mattel estimates that there's over 100,000 avid Barbie collectors. The original Barbie sold for $3 in 1959. A mint boxed Barbie from 1959, a few years ago, sold for over $3,500 wow. on eBay. Uh, there was a Barbie doll in 2006 at auction, set a world record of over... Seventeen thousand uh, dollars. There's been porcelain versions of of Barbie. Uh, again, this is one of the toys that's in the National Toy Hall of Fame. Uh, it feels like nearly everything we've mentioned today yeah. has been there. So, For good reason. You know, we're talking about iconic toys. Yeah. I don't think that the uh, that the list would be complete without this mention of Barbie. Love it. Okay, um, I don't know if you have any other honorable mentions. I know you gave some earlier. Um, I've got a couple. Um, I'm going to mention very quick. I mentioned it earlier. Tonka trucks. Yes. Uh, created in the 1940s. Uh, they are, you know, they're dump trucks, basically. Uh, big yellow dump trucks uh, meant for, you know, just kind of, you know, those kids who love playing with, like, Hot Wheel type things. Um, has more of a purpose behind them. Um Slinkies, yes. um, I think you know we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention it. Uh, came out in uh, 1943 as a mechanical accident. Um, 
it was just something that just popped out. And I thought, well, that's fun to play with and just came came together. And then uh, the last one I'll mention, um, because we already kind of talked about G.I. Joe. I had that on here. But Easy Bake Oven. Oh, yeah. Is another one that I, you know, never personally really ever had. But I was always, this was another one of those, it was a marketing thing. They marketed it toward women, toward yes. girls, because, you know, girls wanted to be like moms. Right. But I was always a little jealous of, because, yes. you know, you could cook brownies at Actual any time you food. wanted to. Yeah. Now you cooked it with a light bulb and it took right. forever, but. It was um, still cool. Today there's fun YouTube videos uh, about people trying to make full meals now and do grown up things with easy bake ovens. Uh, one of the guys I follow on YouTube. If you're not following him, you should. He's a he's a you know he his family lives in Arkansas. Uh, Brandon uh, Ferris. He just did a whole Thanksgiving dinner in an Easy Bake Oven. Oh, okay. He had to slice the ham and turkey. I haven't seen this one. Cook yet. it and then do everything. Else. It's hilarious. You need to go check it out. But uh, those are my honorable mentions for today. I think I want to throw in there the Tickle Me Elmo. Yes, I remember the craze that happened. Oh, man. Uh, probably in the late 90s. Yeah, I think it, it was, was the Christmas. Yeah, Christmas of 99, if I believe. Okay. If I remember right. You couldn't find one anywhere. No. no uh, it was massive. It was one of the hottest, hottest ones. Um, Pez dispensers. Yeah. We mentioned we those have talked about Pez. in our candy episode, yeah, I believe. Right. Uh, but they're iconic. Yeah. So I'm going to throw those uh, in there. And then um, Bubbles. <laughs> That kind of goes with the first one, right? I saw you scrolling to it on your computer, but the just hearing you say it just made me laugh. <laughs> uh, um, okay, bubbles are not quite as old as sticks and boxes and dirt. Okay, it's not as old as dirt. It's got to be up there though. Uh, 1940 is when they launched the the actual industry. And uh, I mean, who doesn't remember as a kid getting bubbles? Who doesn't remember as me last year playing with bubbles? Well. Um, just a just a few weeks ago, my nephew and niece, they had these bubble guns. Oh yeah, that they were shooting. It was just blowing, and so yeah. we had a we had a bubble fight, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so much fun. Aaron, what do people need to do right now? Well, uh, in addition to going out and finding some of these great toys to uh, to reminisce with, uh, give us a five stars uh, like here on Apple Podcast, and leave us a review. Tell us what you like about the show. Give us, uh, give us some positive feedback. Yeah, so, you, you know, if you've listened this long, you know, if you've listened all the way to the end of this podcast, chances are you've listened to the end of other podcasts. If you haven't written a review yet, please do. Um, it does really actually help. It does. And Just, there's some people I know that are listening right now. I got on to you at Thanksgiving for not having <laughs> left a review yet. All right, so I want to see that yeah, review before just, long. Even if it's just love the podcast... These guys are idiots, but I still love it. You know, exactly. We know we're idiots. They're not telling us anything new. No. But let us know what your favorite part about it is. It's honestly, it's one of the few ways that we really do get feedback, and so we'd love to hear it. Subscribe to this podcast. Uh, you know, get yourself notified when a new episode drops, and uh, share it with a friend. Yeah, and you can share it on our social media. Just share the page. Share. We we you know we take these videos or these uh this audio and we we throw a little clip of it on the instagrams and the Facebooks. so share that little clip with somebody that you think would get a kick out of it you know share it with the toy enthusiast in your family um, because you know maybe they'd enjoy hearing it we've lost Aaron again he's playing with the Rubik's Cube never solved one of these you've never solved one no I never have oh. I gotta do it yeah okay 
We're going to let you solve it. All right, we're going to get off here. Hey, for uh, the 10 things, my name's Craig. I'm Aaron. We will talk at you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>